From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Hey guys, welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I'm Kyle Wenzel. Hey, and we're excited to have you guys back for another show. And before we get into the show, just something that... Bring the fire, Kevin. Yeah. Bring it. Yeah, I brought that last week. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever. Yeah, I did. I don't know. I don't know when that show's going to air. But anyways. (laughs) Oh, so... All right. So here, I need people. I, well, I need Kyle. I need you guys. You can text us. 248. Before we even get into it, just get your phone ready. 248-301-2010. Text us. 248-301-2010. Because I need to talk about something. And I need to, I just, I need to figure this out. Because it comes up more and more. And I don't understand what the big deal is about this. There is multiple theories on why this happens, but it is, so we're talking about backing into parking spaces. I have been just assaulted verbally based on me backing into spaces. Hmm. People are like, why are you backing into spaces? I don't understand why you're backing into spaces. I first heard it was a black thing. <laughs> well, if that was the case, you wouldn't be back in these spaces. Come on, <laughs> this, this guy, this guy jokes. <laughs> oh man, Kyle is more black than I am. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but here's here, here's the thing. I first heard it was a black people thing. Right, I'm just putting it out there. Then you know, I so I had some friends like that. I would do that. Come over to their house and I back into their driveway. They're like, dude, what are you backing in for? Right at work, there was I used to back in a lot, and people were like, "Oh, Kevin, I know that was your car because it was back then." Okay, then there was this thing on Facebook a few weeks ago where someone had put up it said something about people backing into spaces, and it started this whole thing on Facebook about why people back into spaces and and all of this. Are you talking about my wife? I can't remember who who put it out. Was it? It was my wife. Oh. She was calling me out. Oh. <laughs> oh man! And I. So here's the thing. I don't back up in my space because I'm black. <laughs> I don't back up in the space for an easy getaway. I've heard that too. Like easy getaway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Just. <laughs> Oh, help us, Lord. Um, but I back up in the space. Here's, here's my thing about backing into spaces. So one, I like to back into spaces in parking lots because it's easier for me to see, you know, because if, say for instance, I'm in the church parking lot or the grocery parking lot, there's constantly people going in and out on foot. There's, there's people with kids that are way shorter than my car. Right. Or if I'm in my wife's SUV or, or whatever, like I can't see these these people. And so sometimes I'm just like I'm looking, I'm looking. and I've had too many instances where I'm, I've looked and then somebody comes walking behind my vehicle. You know, and then this thing's like beep. And I'm like, what what is happening right now? <laughs> so I what I'm saying is I don't understand. I don't get I don't I don't understand why that's such a bad thing. And I I back in, like I say, in like grocery stores or 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 the you know the market or whatever, so that I can oh I know what I was gonna say. I also back in in driveways sometimes because I can't see sometimes kids that are biking, you know, some of these kids are on tricycles. I mean, Kyle's got little kids. I mean, he 
He knows how it is. I mean, they're they're like a foot tall. Not foot tall. But they're like two <laughs> feet. Is that? Right? Yeah. You know, they're so they- they're so little, and they're on these tricycles. And where I live, I live. It, it's kind of a weird. I don't know how to explain it, but like I live on a like a. It's not a cul-de-sac, but it's a. It, my, the street just bends and to another street. I'm the last. Anyways, uh, before somebody <laughs> before somebody comes to my house. But anyways, the what, what happens is it bends. And it is very easy because a lot of kids in my neighborhood, they have ATVs, they've got these little mini bikes, they have go-kart, they have all this stuff that they ride around in. And it is very easy for them to like come around the around the bend very quickly. And in the summertime, I have this huge thing of flowers that grows right at the corner of my driveway. And so I mean, they could come past that thing and I not even see them because the flowers are pretty tall. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I'll back in because I'm like, I don't want to run over little Susie. So, you know what, Kevin, you shouldn't have to explain yourself. This is what my wife did. Let me let me read it. I found it. I found it on Facebook. So she pretty much tagged me in it and said, you with a laughing, crying face. And it was a woman who posted and said people. She said this people who back in the parking spots. Like, what do you have to prove? That's what it said. (laughs) And then Brooke said, you, laughing, crying face. Because you know what? Me and you like to back into places. Yes. And so, I'll come right out and say it. I feel cool backing into places. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I feel cool backing into places with my truck. It's 100% easier for me to pass the spot up for a second and just back in. Yes. Than it is the pulling. Because I don't always back in with my Impala, but I will back in with my truck a hundred percent of the time. I don't, not, I do not like pulling into places, mm-hmm. but I will a hundred percent percent of the time back in or parallel park with my truck. That's a flex move. Parallel parking is a whole nother animal, but uh, but yeah. So she she just she she always we're in the car and she'll just shake her head like, "Are you backing in right now?" I'm like, yeah, I'm backing in right now. Yeah, I am. And if we got to make a quick getaway, we make a quick getaway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but no, I really don't do it for any other reason than I'm comfortable. I'm more comfortable backing in than I do uh, pulling. I think the other theory is if you have a nice car or if you have a sports car or something like that, you back in. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, you Listen, know, I just have a regular car. Here, here's, why, here's why it's a topic of discussion. Is because we have a bunch of impatient people out there. Okay? That's really it. Or people that are really insecure. And the fact that we know how to back in really triggers them. Yeah. To the point to where they have to find a reason wrong with it. I would much rather... I'm going to go here. I said it on the post. I would much rather wait for you to back your car in than me wait for you to take three swivel turns... Back up, pulling, back up, pulling, only for you to still not be able to fully open up your driver's side door (laughs) because you didn't even know how to park regularly, right? let alone backing in. So, listen, I don't mind someone else that knows how to park, but if you don't even know how to park, don't comment on me backing into a parking place. (laughs) You know what? I I pride myself. Let me ask you this. Kyle, can you parallel park well? Um, So, we don't have a driveway. So I have to parallel park every day in between cars. So I've been forced to learn how to do that well. I I do it to the, and then my truck has white walled wheels. Mm-hmm. So if you guys don't know what that is, is they're black wheels. No, they're black wheels. I don't like them. They're black wheels, but they have the white lettering. Well, they're actually white walled, painted black. So if you scrape the curb enough, I learned this the hard way. You'll get a white donut around your tire. Uh, and so once once I did that, I can I can parallel park without hitting my tires on the curb. Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm a pretty darn I, that's good a flex there. You're right. Hey, can, can I ask you this? Do yeah. you do you, when you parallel park or when you back in? Do you use one hand or two? Ooh, I'm I'm trying to even think. I never even thought of that. I I use one hand, my left hand, and Brooke constantly, dude. She goes, "You think you're sweet right now, don't you?" She's like. She's like, you puff your chest out, you put your arm up, and you got this look on your face like you're the coolest dude on the block, whipping it, around with one hand. Yeah, I, th- I do one hand, bro. I think I do one hand. 
It's I, no one. No one does too. But it looks like you think you're sweet when you just, you're just yeah. the palm on the wheel, bro. It's right? Just, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's oh, great. Man. Well, oh. well, you hey, you could join this conversation live. Um, you could text us two four eight three zero one twenty ten two four eight three zero one twenty ten. Go ahead and save that number as TOL or thinking out loud. That way yeah. you don't have to type it in. Save that sucker. So that way when you want to make a funny comment back, you just go ahead and, hey Siri, text TOL. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't Sa- see tall in your contacts. <laughs> <laughs> My Siri went off. Sorry. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. But yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, do that. You know, you say that in your contacts that way. Every week you can you can comment on the show, you can talk to us uh through text and all of that. And so that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, all right, guys. We are digging. We are digging. We are <laughs> we, we are digging in deep today. Deep into a topic that is crazy controversial for Christians to talk about. This is about. one of those topics where I have to go, Mama, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let her know. <laughs> oh, oh man. man, there's going to be a lot of people that uh, you know that they I'm, don't agree. Yeah, they're not going to agree, and that's okay. But uh, we still love you. We, we still do. We we still and do. hopefully you still love us. Right. A- absolutely. And I here's here's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about Christians and alcohol, and specifically answering the question of should Christians drink alcohol. All right. And yep. yeah, and 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 before we do that, Kevin, I want to just preface this like in no way are we promoting anything. Like I feel like we can't have this I feel like the reason we haven't had this conversation, especially like in a church group setting, is because if we don't say it's a sin, right? If we say no, the Bible doesn't call it a sin, then all of a sudden it's assumed that we're promoting drinking, right? In no way in the show are we going to promote drinking or alcohol. We're not saying go grab a fifth tonight and have some fun. We're not saying that, but because we're not going to tell you, because we're not going to tell you right now what our stance is. No, we're not. No, but I just want you to know, like we're not, we're not doing this because we want to promote. Kevin's yeah. new alcohol line that he's got on. I just get it. His new tequila line. No, we're not doing that. What, what yeah. we want to do is the is the main reason we're doing this podcast, guys. And I'd be remiss if we didn't cover a topic like this because I think we pride our show on let's handle some of these harder, these taboo conversations. Let's let's do some of this. And so what we want to promote is biblical literacy. And we want to make sure that inside of that literacy, no matter what side of the line it falls on, that we're also using discipline when mm-hmm. we handle things in life. And before we give you our answer, just so you know, whatever it is, you still, no matter what you do in life, you have to have a discipline to things. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to promote health and discipline and, and just biblical truth. So yeah. I just wanted to preface that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever we talk about here, we're... You know, our, again, we we want to make sure that we're talking about what the Bible says, right? We're we're not trying to you know have our own agenda here or anything like that. But this is a huge, 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 huge topic, um, and s- s- crazy hotly debated all down through the years. I mean, that's they, just just hotly debated. And so, I, I kind of want to give you. So when we talk about this today, I kind of want to get you, give you a background, just very short background of how I grew up, because I don't know if the, a lot of you know how I grew up and what denomination I grew up in or anything like that. But I grew up in a denomination called the UPCI, the United Pentecostal Churches International, and you know it. And I for eighteen years of my life. This is what I subscribe to. Whether I agree with everything or not, that is what I had to, to, that's where, that's the church that I was in. And so just to, to, to make a kind of a long story short and, and to give you a synopsis of it, we were a very, very strict organization. There are millions of people who are still part of this organization. I have a lot of friends that are still in the UPCI, and some of them may not be super happy with me today. Um, and they and they're great people, but it is just it's a very different 
organization. They deny the Trinity. They don't believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit as we know it as the Trinity today. They are very big on what they would call holiness and sanctification, but holiness and sanctification has a lot to do with the outward man. So it's, you know, when I grew up, there was no drinking. We didn't have a TV. So I didn't grow up with a TV for you know that whole 18 years that I was at home. Women could not wear makeup, no jewelry, no pants on women. Women could not cut their hair. It doesn't matter. I, I literally saw people where their hair was dragging on the floor. They were not allowed to cut their hair. My church specifically, we were not allowed to wear writing on our shirts because they believe that that, especially for women, they believe that that, would, that brought attention to your chest. We weren't allowed to go bowling, skating. I wasn't allowed to go to any sporting events. You know, the girls and the boys had to swim separate if they, if, if they swam and we didn't. You know, you know, my parents did not wear wedding rings because that was considered jewelry. I mean, just, you know, I mean, it, I, I, it could go on and on and on. You know, men had to keep their hair to a certain length. I mean, it was it was so I say that so you understand the context of which I grew up. I wouldn't have a problem keeping my hair to a certain length. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> this guy. I'm just being honest. <laughs> well, here's hey, the thing. Hey, can you can you keep your beard at a certain length, though? <laughs> here's the thing. The funny thing is, when I was growing up, my my parents never allowed me to shave my head. I was not allowed to do that. So the way I look right now, I will probably do that for the rest of my life. I love that look. That's just you know, I need all the help I can get. So I just. <laughs> <laughs> you start, you start, hey, you start backing in with one hand. Uh, woo, then I start looking so a little you, bit. You just mm-hmm. leveled up. Oh, okay. Um, anyways, well, so I, uh, but anyway, so even my hair length, which was just like I don't know. I mean, for a for a Caucasian person, I would say it was like a buzz cut. Like it was like a little shorter than that. I had a lineup. Just call it a fade, bro. No, it wasn't a fade. That's the thing. It wasn't a fade. It really wasn't a fade? No. Not we even a taper? We weren't allowed to have fades. We were allowed to have, I forgot what they call it, curvatus or something? I don't know. It's some word they oh, used. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't have hair long enough to know. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, anyways, it was a, it was, you know, neat. And that's what they wanted. Could not shave my, could not shave my hair. And so that just shows you how strict it was. And you know, it took me years to understand w- what holiness and sanctification really was. Yeah. You know, I thought it was something on the outside when it all has to do with what's on the inside, right? And can I so, can I say something yeah, for a minute? Absolutely. Does it not does it not make you cringe at all a little bit? So I grew up and I I was taught like I I remember like looking down on like oh I'm not allowed to dance. Like oh, I, I'm not allowed yeah. to go to this wedding and do even line dancing. You know, like mm-hmm. I was, I was like ridiculed one time for line dancing Yikes. and and was asked if I could see, could you see your pastor line dancing? And I remember thinking, well, my example isn't that it's Jesus and the word of God. It's not based off of what a man is doing, but I remember that. And I remember thinking this is coming out of the holiness movement. Like this is what this teaching's coming out of. And it's very like Pharisee like where it's. We have to look a certain way and dress a certain way and act a certain way because that's what's really important. And I'm like, like we read about this and we scoff at those guys, yet we're being taught the very same manner of those people. I remember just thinking that, like, it made me cringe a little bit to go, we have yet to fix the most disgusting things on the inside of us. But this button down is going to put it all together for me. Right. You know what I'm saying? This. (laughs) This coat yeah. jacket, this this coat jacket's gonna it's gonna make every, it's gonna move God's presence today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so you're speaking to it, you know that holiness on the outside. And I remember going, and I had to break from that. Like, I don't think people understand when you when you're raised in that. Yes, you have to. It's a spirit. Like you're entangled. In, like you have to break from that. Yes. And and here's why I like that we're covering this topic today. I brought all that up to say we have false convictions. Yes. We have convictions that should not be convictions. Yes. And because of the way the people that we love and care about taught us and because we care about what they think, we forget about what God thinks. 
And right. we say, well, if they think it, then God must think it. And therefore it's my conviction now. And we have to break from those convictions. And what it is, is it's shame. Yeah. Shame isn't from God. And so we have to understand that when man tells us to do something, if it's not biblically correct, it could force us to feel shameful about it. And that's natural because that's the world's consequence. It's the world's way of doing things. And yes, the world's way of doing things can come from biblical leaders in the church because they just don't understand the literacy behind what they're teaching. Right. Yes. Yeah. Dancing. Yeah. I, yeah. We definitely didn't do any dancing. That's for darn sure. That was worldly. You know, we didn't listen to secular music. I mean, all, all the things. Right. It, it was just you, you could not do those things. And, you know, and, and you know, uh, you know, there are people still there. There's some wonderful people. Absolutely wonderful. And so I'm not trying to knock, you know, any apostolic or UPCI or any of that. That's that. That's not what I'm, I'm doing. But by the same token, um, I, you know, I you have to study the word of God and you need to know and understand the history behind the scriptures. You you know, you can't take things for face value. That's a thing that a lot of people don't understand because, and I'm going to say something and I want you to remember this. Okay. I'm going to be your teacher right now. I want you to remember this. The Bible was not written to you. The Bible was written for you. And if you've been under any of my teachings or sermons or anything like that, you know that that's something that I say quite a bit because I think it helps a person to understand at least a little bit of things that they read in the word. And they're just like, wait a minute, is this like me? Like, should I be doing it? Like, it just seems weird. But the Bible is, it it was not written to you. It was written to the people that it was written to in that day, right? But it is for you, you know? So you've got to dig in to figure out the history and go, well, okay, what was the setting? What was the context? What was all the things that were happening when this was written in the Bible? Okay, so when we talk about alcohol, first of all, we've got to figure out, because there's so many factors to speak of. When we say, should a Christian drink alcohol? Is it a sin for a Christian to drink alcohol? Okay, we've got to look at all the factors. One, what's your cultural context? Okay, so should a Christian drink alcohol? What's your what's your what's your cultural context? Like what what kind of culture do you live in? Okay, what's your personal family? What what would you say your personal struggles are? Your family struggles, your community struggles, right? And we're gonna get into we'll get into all of this. So what are those things that that need to come into play when you ask this question, and then? You need to ask yourself, what are your motivations or your desires to drink or not to drink? Okay. Yeah. I don't, we don't believe this is a a universal thing of a person should or should not drink. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I think that this is a thing where there are, there are appropriate and inappropriate instances. I think where this is either done or not done. And I think we need to look at what the Bible says about alcohol and alcohol consumption versus drunkenness, because that's two separate things. We need to be, we need to be clear on that. The Bible, the Bible specifically addresses drinking alcohol, but it also references drunkenness. And so I think we need to understand the difference and what the Bible actually says yeah. about alcohol. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of scriptures that I, I, I want to read here because I think, again, we got to go back to the Bible to, to get our answer. So when you read Ephesians 5 and 18, and you're going to see a theme with all of these scriptures that I'm reading, okay? This scripture in Ephesians 5, 18 says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, okay? So do not be drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to go to the next scripture. You just keep that scripture in your head. This scripture is Proverbs 23, and I'm going to read 29 through 35, okay? It's verse 29, it says, Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? 
those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, do not gaze at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? Okay. <laughs> so I chuckle a little bit of that because if you see somebody that's kind of sloppy drunk, you know, you, yeah. you, they, they wake up sometimes, they got into a bar fight. And they don't even they don't even remember that they got into a bar fight, but they wake up with the bruises. Right. So when I tell you that the Bible addresses everything, the Bible addresses everything. You will find it either in plain in scripture or in principle. Right. So that's a couple of scriptures there. So let's go to Second Peter 219. I'm going to string all these scriptures together so you understand They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Okay? And then, so let's look at this. Okay? So let's look at the common things in the scriptures that I just read. So if you look at Ephesians 5 and 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So what did the Bible, what what did that scripture say? The, the, The scripture didn't say, do not drink wine. The scripture says, do not get drunk with wine because that's debauchery. Well, and let's be clear. It would have said, don't drink wine. Correct. It wouldn't have said, don't get drunk with wine. It would have said, don't drink wine. Correct. Correct. Yep. And it basically says, don't get drunk with wine uh, because that's debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Now let's go to the other scripture that I read and which is Proverbs 23. And what we're going to read is Verse 30, it says, or let's read the end of, of 29 and then we'll talk, we'll, we'll read verse 30. Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine and go to sample bowls of mixed wine. Notice the word that he uses there, linger. This person is lingering over wine, right? That's really, that's, that's important. Second Peter 2.19 that I read They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption for whatever overcomes a person to that he is enslaved. Okay. The key word there is overcomes. When the Bible talks about alcohol and in many, many places, when the Bible talks about alcohol, the Bible is talking about being drunk. When it says when it says things that is negative towards it, right? When it has a negative tone towards alcohol, it is talking about people being drunk, people drinking too much, people not being what we call sober-minded, right? That they, right. they lose control of their thinking. They are losing control of their actions. They do things that they wouldn't ordinarily do. Why? Because they have allowed a substance or a drink to take over their minds. and so. I think the first thing we have to say is, so what does the Bible say about it? The Bible says, first, that we shouldn't get drunk. Like, that's the, right. that's one of the big things there, is, is, is we should not get drunk. Now, you, you know, so you might say, well, okay, so, so what about, where does the Bible say anything good about wine? Right. So if you're telling me, Kevin, I can drink wine or I can drink beer or I have a beer or whatever, like, well, then where is it in the Bible where it it talks favorably to drinking wine? I will tell you this. There's about 75 scriptures. When I was researching this topic, there's about 75 scriptures at least that talk about alcohol in the Bible. Now, there's more, but there's about 75. And almost all of the 75 scriptures has a negative connotation against drinking alcohol. But if you look at it and you actually read all of those scriptures, in almost all of those scriptures, it is talking about a person who got drunk. So when it talks about Lot and his daughters, and when it talks about King, I think his name was King Xerxes, that had his, had his wife dance before 
the, the you know, they were having, they were having a feast and she, she was dancing in front of all of his kings and princes and all of these things, right? And, and, and the Bible talks kind of negatively against that. But again, these men were drunk. <laughs> that like, that's, yeah. you know, uh, the king himself, he was drunk. So he asked his wife to do something that she probably shouldn't have asked his wife or he shouldn't have asked his wife to do. Right. So, um, so, so, but what are some areas, what are some areas and Kyle, I know you have some scripture, but let's talk about areas of the scripture where it talks favorably to. Yeah. So, so, and what you'll see here is where the Bible was opposing drunkenness and using wine or alcohol as that go-to for the drunkenness, you're going to see here where it, it also talks specifically about wine in, like Kevin said, a positive light. Psalm 104, 14 through 15, it says this, He makes grass grow for the cattle, plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. And so it's talking about digesting, ingesting things that, make you happy, that mm-hmm. satisfy you momentarily. Mm-hmm. So that's the Old Testament. Let's go Ecclesiastes 3.13. Um, it says that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. That is a gift of God. And then Ecclesiastes 9.7 says, go and eat your food with gladness, drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. And uh, we'll go back down here. We'll see First Timothy five twenty three. Now this is specifically for medication, where he says, "Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because your stomach and your frequent illnesses." One of the problems I've had with the way that I've been taught was this may have been one of the only verses that that was brought up in a good light about alcohol, and they would say, "Well, that was only for medicinal uses, right?" But I'd never heard those previous verses. I'd never heard even the one I'm about to read here, Matthew 26, 29. I mean, sorry, I I copied that. It says, uh, Luke 7, 34, it says, the son of man. And now I want to explain this. So let me read this and I'll explain it. Uh, The son of man, we know who that is. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus. Yep. Came eating and drinking. And you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Now, if Jesus was a drunkard, he'd be sinning, right? Yep. So we know that he wasn't drunk. If he was overeating, he'd be sinning, right? So we know he wasn't a glutton, yep. right? What they were doing here was they were accusing him. Now, they could accuse him. I need you guys to understand this. They could accuse him for being a glutton because he had food, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They could accuse him for being a friend of tax collectors and sinners because he's seen eating with tax collectors and sinners, right? Mm-hmm. So he has to be accused of being a drunkard by being seen drinking wine. Like that would that would be the only way that would make this entire verse accurate. We can't say, well, they're accurate with the food because he was seen with bread and they're accurate with the tax collector comment because he was seen with a tax collector in his house the other day, but he was probably drinking grape juice or some other form of drink, so they couldn't have accused him of being a drunkard. No, mm-hmm. guys, we got to understand the biblical literacy here. They seen him with wine. Doesn't mean he was a drunkard. They seen him with bread. Doesn't mean he was a glutton. Okay. Mm-hmm. But on, in this verse, it really does allude to the fact that we see the son of man drinking wine. Mm-hmm. Right. And so never, never had I heard stuff like this before. And I, I'm, you know, listen, I, I've got my stances and we'll, you know, we'll talk stances and stuff, but we have to understand biblically really what is being taught here. And we've seen just from the verses Kevin shared and from the verses I shared, there is a very, it's not a gray area, Kevin. No. Like we talk about this, like, oh, it's just one of those great things. I remember saying this hundred times. Well, drinking is one of those great things in the Bible. It's really not. It's really not. It's not. The Bible is very clear about drunkenness. Yeah. It's very clear about drunkenness. And I believe the Bible is very clear about drinking. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, and I think in a lot of cases, the Bible's very clear about discipline and moderation in almost anything we do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Kyle, I, and I know that it's, this is kind of hard to digest, but I, I really want us to understand this. And, and, and before, you know, you go, oh my, you know, heretics, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have, I'm sure, friends and family on all sides that are going to go. Did he just say drinking wasn't a sin? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say that? You know, because because most of my life I've I've thought that, I've taught that, you know? Like I've 
I've been someone that's like, hey, this is, and it, it really came down to the fact that I believed what I believed. And a lot of people I know, we believe what we believe because people in a, a position of authority told us that. We didn't look at scripture as our authority. We allowed somebody else to tell us that scripture and that somebody was in authority. And so then we took that to the grave, whether it's a parent, a pastor, family members, whatever it is, and we hold fast to that. And mm-hmm. then we get frustrated and mad when somebody else comes out and says, well, scripture really doesn't support that teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason we get mad is because if if I were to say that, I think most people would take it as, well, Kyle's promoting drinking. Kyle wants to go drink. Kyle wa- Kyle thinks it's so. And that's not it. I'm just saying, like, I don't drink, you know, like personally, I yeah. don't drink. Yeah. And it's a stance that I have in my home and that's fine. And we can get into all that, but it's not, I don't say, I don't, I'm not promoting, like, I don't want to go and drink because that's what the Bible says. I'm just saying what the Bible says. I, I think one of the biggest disrespectful things we could do is diminish the miracle that Jesus had at the wedding. Yeah. It really wouldn't be that big of, I mean, it's a miracle, right? Like, okay, water into grape juice, water into wine where they're already drinking wine. And where it's literally the guy comments and say, this is the best for last. I think one of the greatest disrespects is when we have pastors that are, and you have our, our phone number and our social media. So if you're a pastor who's done this, please, you can comment. But where we have pastors who are wasting time, and I mean that, wasting time, trying to be a chemist and saying, here's the proof that it was one part alcohol, four parts water. You know, like... Like we we're wasting 10 minutes on our sermon where Jesus performs a miracle. And instead of focusing on the miracle that he performed and, and how that affects our lives, how that affected the lives there and how that was his path towards the cross. Yeah. First and foremost for us, instead of focusing on that, we're focusing on how can I teach this story and still allow it to wrap around my agenda of what I think my people should do. Mm-hmm. And that's what pastors have done. And it's wrong. And, and so we have to just understand that we have to understand, listen, we need some biblical literacy. I don't think God's an Easter egg God. I really don't. I don't think he puts this story in the Bible. I don't think he has Jesus perform this miracle, knowing that for all of eternity, pastors are going to over dissect this. Right. I don't, I don't think that was his cause for that, no. Kevin. I don't think it was like, and I want them to debate. Right. The Bible says turned water into wine. It turned water into wine. That is not a place where God's going to go, you need to look at the Greek, and then you need to go over the Galilee, and you need to go do this, and you need to go see the, the cisterns of the day. Like, we don't need to do that. Right. We just, it just doesn't have to happen. I, I got a little passionate there. But yeah. the passion, the passion, guys, isn't for alcohol. The passion <laughs> is for proper, it's for proper teaching. Sure, you're sure and, about that, Kyle? And it's, yeah. And I think it's knowing that I've been led astray. Yeah. And a lot of people are being led astray, not because the pastors care about the word of God, but yeah. the pastors care about their agenda and how the word of God fits around their agenda for their people. And it's toxic. It's very toxic. Yeah, it, it is toxic. And so, guys, you have to understand, I mean, just like on all the other topics that we talk about and we say things like, we have to be biblical. We have, yeah. to, you know, we say that over and over and over again. It doesn't matter, you know, and I say that. I preach it all the time. I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if it defies your sensibilities. It doesn't matter if it makes you feel good or not. You got it, you know, I say that. And I will tell you right now, I'm going to be 100% open with you. I want the Bible to say alcohol is wrong. I really do. I'm just, I'm being, yeah, I mean, that I'm, being would, yeah. I'm being 100% yeah. honest with you. I yeah. want to be able to tell my daughters alcohol yep. is a sin. Yep. I want to be able to tell youth and young adults and people yeah. who whatever. I want to say that to them. You had no idea how much I want. Because it'd be easier to, to convince fr- them not to drink. Exactly. I want that. I mean, that's that. every, yeah, that's our goal. But we just. But, 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 but at the end of the day, guys, I have to take scripture for what it actually says. I don't conform the scripture to my narrative. No, the scripture tells me how to believe. And what to think, right? Well, and, and the hard thing is, is we're going to get a lot of people that say, well, in what situation has beer or wine ever created anything good? Well, let's back up because I've said that a lot myself. In what situation has drunkenness, right, caused, caused anything good? N- never, never caused anything good. But the Bible really lays out the responsibilities of wine. It's one, we've seen it for medicinal use, and we've seen it for joyfulness. Yeah. We've seen it 
it, we've seen it to where it it brings a joy. Just like I got a food problem, dude. Like I have a food problem. <laughs> food makes me happy. I have to be disciplined with my food. Sure. Before the show, ladies and gentlemen, I heated up my daughter's chicken nuggets and I decided I was going to dip them in cocktail sauce. Okay. <laughs> the made for shrimp. And guess what I found out? It's delicious. Okay. It's, but but that see where most of you go, oh, we don't have ranch. Okay, I'll use ketchup. I go, I'm gonna try cocktails. I go overboard with my food a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to have that discipline. The Bible is very clear how good food is joyful for the soul as well, and medicine for the soul. There's 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 times in the Bible where people are mentally not okay, and God says, Go eat, drink, and sleep. Right. Okay. Like it's all good for us in moderation. So we see it for medicine. We see it for joyfulness. The only time that we see it's not good for us is drunkenness. And that is our responsibility. Just like any other thing that we do. It is our, when we flip on the TV, it is our responsibility. The TV's not evil. No. I know Kevin calls it television. It is. The TV's not the evil. Television. What we allow ourselves to get into because of the TV turns to evilness. What we allow ourselves to get into because of alcohol, and that's mainly why I don't drink, okay, is because I don't know. If I struggle with food, I'm an addictive personality. I should not be around alcohol, just personally. Mm-hmm. I don't need it, so I don't need to go after it. But that doesn't mean that somebody else who's like, you know what, man? I think I'm going to have a beer. And mm-hmm. I know this, <laughs> this sounds so bad because people aren't used to me saying this. I'm not going to judge you. You know, I don't, I don't know your convictions. And, and Kevin, you have a verse there. And I know you're going to read about convictions. Mm-hmm. And I don't know your discipline. I just don't know. I want to answer one thing because it, it's, always, it, 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 it's a back and forth between me and my wife as well. Because we're, we're really strict on the holiness on the inside, Kevin. Like, that's what we want. I mean, yeah. that's what we're teaching our students. That's what we're teaching. Our, but the holiness on the inside should reflect holiness on the outside. Like, you're, the outside... Faith in action, right? Like, mm-hmm. sh- you should see that take place. And so I'm like, we have this like, okay, but how much is too much, right? And that question alone scares me enough to say, I'm just not going to drink, right? Like, because I don't know personally how much is too much until I've already gone too much, right? Like, I go, oop, that was too much, right? Mm-hmm. But, but let's be honest here. We have alcohol in a lot of things that we do. Like even for the pastor's argument is like one part water or one part alcohol, four part water. Well, there's still alcohol in there. Right. So alcohol, if it's a sin, you're still sinning. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, you think about NyQuil. <laughs> even though it's a little bit of whiskey in that NyQuil, that's whiskey. That's alcohol. And guess what? It's aiding your sleep. There's not a single person that I know that's ever taken a shot of NyQuil and didn't get a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that mixed with other medicinal things inside of there that aids your sleep. And so I think that we just have to understand that it's, it's as clear cut as it should be. Alcohol is either a sin or it's not. Drunkenness is either a sin or it's not. Just like food is either a sin or it's not. And gluttony is either a sin or it's not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can eat without being gluttons and we can drink without being drunkards. Right. Right. Sorry. I went on. No, I went on. No, I'm man. Really, agreed. Agreed. These are, these are all questions that I have. These are all like debates that I have in my own mind, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and you guys right now, I mean, you can text us 248-301-2010, 248-301-2010. If you've got questions or you're, you're, you're just like, man, I, you know, but I have this question about it or I have that question about it. You can do that. So, but moving on, you know, some people say, well, but doesn't the Bible say something about like deacons in the Bible? Not you know, drinking and, all, you know, all of that yeah. kind of stuff. But if you look at First Timothy 3 and 8, now, they, I want you to understand who Timothy was. Timothy was a young pastor that Paul, that Paul was a mentor of, right? Paul was a mentor of, yeah. as Kyle says, Timmy, right? And so, and so Paul was the one who told Timothy, listen, stop drinking water, bro. You got stomach issues. Take some wine. Right, right, for medicinal purposes. He's not going to then turn around and say, Well, you know what? If you're if you're drinking wine, you can't be a pastor. Right? It, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense because he would be contradicting telling him to take wine. Because my thing is, if wine is a sin, it's a sin, it's a sin, it's a sin, right? Or yeah. beer, whatever you want to call it, what you know, whatever alcohol you've got going yeah. on. Now, if you look at first Timothy three and eight, it says in the same way, deacons 
are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. Why is it that every time the Bible talks about wine, it says lingering over the wine? Much wine. Much wine. Or it says a person is overcome. You know, it's, it overcomes a person, right? Or, you know, whatever the case may be, there's mm-hmm. just a lot of places in Scripture where it's, it, it, it's very clear that it is the overconsumption of alcohol that is problematic, right? Now, yeah. p- people will say, well, why would God want us to partake in something that kills people? Because we see things. We see the drunk drivers who run off the road or get on into a head-on crash, yeah. kill people. The answer is he doesn't. It's right. very clear. He yeah. doesn't want us to get drunk. Yeah. He doesn't want us to get drunk and drive a car. He doesn't. Right. And again, because he cares about us, he understands the dangers of drunkenness. He understands the dangers of alcoholism and being an alcoholic and having that lifestyle. So, no. But... He also understands the benefits of the discipline inside of that. Right. Right. And yes. And, you know, so when you, when you look at those scriptures, so now let's go back to Jesus turning the water into wine. Okay. Because I know some people say, well, but I, I don't, you know, uh, Jesus, I just don't think, and I'm kind of going to what Kyle says, well, I just don't think Jesus turned the water into actual wine. I, I think it was uh. grape juice. And I, you know, and, and trust me, for years, I'm like, oh, Jesus couldn't have done that. Like, why would he do that? All right. But if you look at what, what the scripture actually says, so when you're reading John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 is the story, but I'm going to skip all the way down to verse 9. It says, when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was, that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and he saith unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. So here's what, here's what the scripture is saying. When Jesus turned the water into wine, this person that was speaking here, he goes, listen, everybody puts the good wine out there first, right? And then what they do is once everybody's drunk, they bring out the Boone's Farm. Right. You know, they bring out the <laughs> they bring out the Milwaukee's best. Sorry. Um, they bring out all they, the cheap. They stuff. bring out the, the Wilson special. No, we don't. I don't have anything. <laughs> 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 they bring out, you know, just the what? Why? Because they're going to they're going to keep drinking and keep drinking and it won't matter because they're already drunk. Right. But but he, he basically says Jesus flips this. And the wine that Jesus made was so good that they thought that the the person in charge of the wine saved the the best wine for last. If they would have, if Jesus would have made grape juice, those people would have been upset. Going, dude, you and it's it's it. And people that are listening are probably going, I can't believe that anybody would have thought that that was grape juice. I don't know if you've ever drinking wine, you know. That what you're drinking is wine. Yes. Above any other alcohol. Like, you know, that's wine. Yes. That is not grape juice. That is not sparkling juice. Like, you, it'll put you on your butt if you don't know. Right. So, I don't care if they were drunk or not. They would have taken one sip of that grape juice and been like, can you please tell him to take this Welch's back (laughs) and make sure that next time... I'm I'm being honest, though. Uh. I mean, when you're talking about fermented fruit yeah it it's potent yes. it isn't something that you can misinterpret yes yes yep and so we we have to go back and we have to bring a balance to this guys so we have to ask okay so if the bible clearly talks about wine and it talks about and and, and when it's when it talks about drunkenness it's negative but when it's in moderation 
it's okay, right? So if you're going out to, you know, Olive Garden, Carabas, or whatever, you have a glass of wine with your meal, no one should be judging you for that, right? But think about this. So there's these factors that we need to look at. So one, what is your personal, what is your personal, your family and your community struggles, right? So if you've got a family member who, and say you're, now we're talking about Christians now, we're talking about, I'm talking to Christians. You're a Christian because I want to read you some scriptures of what the Bible says. But if you're a Christian and you, you say, Hey, I've got the right to drink wine. I realize like it's, you know, as long as I don't get drunk, I'm, I'm good. And you have a cousin that you're going out to dinner with and say you guys are going to Olive Garden or whatever name your restaurant. And you know, that person's an alcoholic or, you know, that person it w- had an issue with alcohol, but they're now in AA and they're trying to get better and, 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 you know, whatever, because maybe they have an addictive personality, whatever the reasons are. Yeah. As a Christian, you shouldn't sit at the table at Olive Garden and go, well, you know, I've got my freedom in Christ. So, you know, I know you're, you know, you're struggling with this, but I'm just going to pop my, or I'm just going to have them pour me a glass of wine. Because the problem is now you're making somebody stump using your freedom in Christ. You're making somebody stumble, could possibly stumble and go back into alcoholism because whereas you can be okay with one glass of wine and you just, and you're, you're done. This other person can't take a, they can't even take a shot glass of wine or else they'll be right back into drinking all day, every day. Yeah. So what does the Bible say about this? Let's look at what the Bible says about this. Okay. The Bible says, I want to, because I got a few scriptures here. Let, let me read this. One. Let me read this one. Cause I think this is, this is the good first one to read. So first Corinthians eight, nine through 13, it says, but take care that this liberty of yours, okay, talking about, you know, you feeling like you have the liberty to do a lot of things as a Christian, does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you and who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? So let me give you some, some context of this scripture in 1 Corinthians 8, 8, 9 through 13. So basically, back then, there were, I mean, you could eat meat, right? That was sacrificed to God. Meat's totally fine. But back then, there were, there were, there were meat that was sacrificed to idols, right? False gods. And so what Paul said, you know, in another place, he said, you know, he said, it's okay for you to eat meat that is sacrificed to an idol as long as you're not eating it, praising that idol. But if you bless God for that food, even though it was originally for an idol, you're good, right? And that's what the scripture says. So this is what, in context, what this scripture is talking about. So it's saying if somebody sees you who has knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. So basically what this scripture is saying, listen, you've got the freedom to do this. But if you do this and you have somebody that it has a weak conscience or feels like they're not supposed to do it and you do it in front of them and then that person turns around and goes, well, what Kevin was doing it. So I guess it's okay for me to do it. And then that person falls deeper and deeper into alcoholism or sin, whatever, however you want to put that, then you're now sinning against Christ because you caused your weaker brother to stumble. And your weaker brother, again, you may be strong, you, you know, okay, I, I have freedom in Christ. There's nowhere in scripture where it says I can't drink wine. I can have a glass of wine at Olive Garden, zero problem. But there's somebody else who cannot have a glass of wine because if they do, they don't know where to stop. That is your weaker brother. So if you are with someone like that, it is, 
it is imperative that you deny yourself that glass of wine for that moment so that you can continue to be a support and a help to your weaker brother. Mm-hmm. I hope that absolutely. makes sense. No, I mean, absolutely. And so that's what the scripture says. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 and 12, this is one of my favorite scriptures, because I, 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 I think it gives us so much freedom, but it also gives us, it also gives us a balance. Paul said, all things are lawful for me, mm-hmm. but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So, so basically what Paul is saying is, there's a lot of stuff I can do. A lot of stuff yep. I can do, right? But not everything that I can do that, that's not a sin yep. is helpful, right? I tell our teenagers, it's a Jeannie Mayo statement, but I tell our teenagers, you know, others may, but I may not. Yeah. That, that statement, fall, and I don't teach drinking to our teenagers, so it's th- this conversation has never been <laughs> yeah. part of that. But there's certain things that teenagers do that aren't sin, but if other kids do, it may lead to sin. And so I just tell them, listen, it, it, depending on how close you want to be to God, literally, like depending on the holiness inside, others may do certain things, you just may not. You know, you just you just may not be able to be a part of stuff like that because your mind goes a certain way and you begin to lust a certain way or whatever the case is, yep. right? Doesn't mean they're wrong for going and doing that. It just means that they're able to have a discipline right now that you just can't have. And and it's okay. Yeah, I, I give you an example. If your wife say your wife watches a show and the show's on, I don't know, Lifetime or some one of these romantic yeah, not my not my kind of sh- program. But it's one of these lifetime movies or whatever, smoogy, lovey-dovey things. And there is a woman on there that you, you are extremely attracted to, and you have a really hard time with your mind not going places that it shouldn't go, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, for your wife, your wife is most likely not sitting there lusting after that woman. Your wife could care less. She's just watching a movie. For your right. wife, that movie is fine. For you... It could lead to sin because for whatever reason, the woman that is on that particular show triggers the wrong thoughts in your mind. Yeah. Right. So you can't go, well, you you can't then go, well, honey, we shouldn't be watching this show. This show is, you know, I'm sorry. No, your wife doesn't have that issue. You are the weaker brother because you have a certain proclivity towards a certain sin, which is not, doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you human. Yep. Right. And so what, what should happen in that in that situation is your wife should be careful that she does not watch that show around you. And you should be honest with yourself and with God and say, you know, what, I, I think I'm going to bow out on this one. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. Both of you now are doing the right thing like that. That's the beauty of it, because none of us are at the same place with our relationship with God. Not nope. all of us have different issues, triggers, problems, proclivities, all, all those things. We're all in different places. So it's hard, you know, to, to, you know, when it, when it comes to things like this, you can't just put across the board go, well, you shouldn't drink alcohol. Well, that's just not, it, there's, it, 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 it depends. <laughs> it depends on the situation, right? And so, and so one of the scriptures, I just want to make sure that I, Oh yeah, the other the other thing that I wanted to bring up is just the just the part where it, you know it mentions wine in the Bible. So where it mentions wine in the Bible, and people say, "Well, it's really speaking of grape juice or or or, or some type of a non alcoholic beverage." Guys, get real. It's not. When, here's the thing. Now, here's what I will tell you: the level of alcohol content that is in our wine and beer and and liquor and all that stuff today. In the Bible times, it was no, it was not at the level that it is today, right? So you can drink much less of the current alcoholic beverages right now and get drunk faster. The, the level back then, you had to drink quite a bit of it to get drunk because of the low alcohol level. Now, so truly, it's not that you can't drink it right now. You know, you say, well, I just wanted to go wine tasting with my husband or wife. 
listen, if you if that's something that you feel like you 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 can do and it's not going to make anybody else stumble, that's what that then you do what you feel like that you should do. But let me say this. So with that said, let me say this. Romans 14 and 23 I think is also a very important scripture. Because if you in your own heart feel convicted about drinking alcohol, you should not do it. Right. Because here's what Romans 14, 23 says. It says, but if you have doubts about whatever, or excuse me, but if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For you are not following your convictions. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Okay. So if, if there is something that God has sp- specifically convicted you of, not that you feel bad because your pastor, you grew up them telling you that alcohol is wrong. That's different because that's not a conviction that God gave you. That's a conviction that man gave you. But I'm talking about when you just, you just sense and you know that God is saying, you know what? There's a lot of other people that do that. I don't think you're one of those people that should do that. If you go ahead and do that anyway, because you say, well, but Kyle does it. Well, Kevin does it. You are sinning because God has specifically convicted you not to do that. And you don't have faith to do it. You, you've got to right. force yourself to do it just to fit in or just to whatever the case. Right. So I, I think we have to be very careful and have and have balance there. Yep. And, 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 and going back just to the abuse thing. Just because somebody abuses something does not invalidate the proper use of it. Somebody could abuse, you know, like Kyle said, you could abuse, you could eat too much pizza. Doesn't mean pizza is wrong. Somebody could take a car and drive it recklessly, run into another family and kill the whole family. Doesn't mean that cars are wrong. It's the same thing when it comes to alcohol. You, when, if, hey, somebody's going to get drunk. Somebody's going to run a red light because of alcohol. Somebody's going to, rape somebody because of alcohol. Somebody is going to break into somebody's house because they're alcohol. Somebody's going to get into a fight because they were got drunk with alcohol. The point is just because somebody else does not know how to control themselves does not mean the thing within and of itself is wrong. And right. so guys, I, I, and I understand this is a, a little different. I also think that you need to look at the motivations and the desire of why you want to drink or not drink. If you're not drinking because it thinks you think it makes you more, more holy, that is 100% wrong, right? So don't go around and say, well, I, I'm not one of those people. I just don't drink because you feel like that makes you closer to God or makes you more righteous or holy or sanctified because it doesn't, right? The sanctification and holiness is, is a heart issue. But if your motivations or desire is to fit in, you're like, well, I don't fit into this crowd of people. So I feel like I just need to, you know, you, you go out with your work friends and you're always the one who doesn't drink and, and they're all drinking. And you're like, man, I really feel I just want to fit in. Like, oh, I'm just sitting here, the only one not drinking. If that's why you start drinking or have a glass of wine or a beer, you should not have that beer or wine because that's a deeper problem. Well, it's a deeper problem. And if, if you need to drink, you probably shouldn't. Right. Right. Like if, if, if you're just like, I need to do it. Like I, there's no discipline there. There's yep. just, it's just not, you're not going to control that. And so I remember talking to a guy that wasn't even a Christian and he, he just told me, he said, listen, if I go home and I say, I need to have a glass, I need to have, he goes, I don't do it because it never stops at a glass. Yep. But he's like, if I'm ever out and people are just, you know, they have a drink or he's like, I'll have a drink or two and that's it. He goes, cause I don't need it. So I'm not right. going to overindulge in it. But the moment that my life is too stressful and I just feel like I can't wait to get home to get a drink, he goes, that's the moment I tell myself, do not go home and drink. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was sweet. I was like, man, for someone who doesn't even believe what the Bible says, he understands the principle of moderation. Right. Everything, everything in moderation. I mean, when you go to the nutritionist, they, they, you know, there a lot of times they'll tell you, listen, you can go to Applebee's or you can go to to Olive Garden or whatever, but look at your portions. It's portion control, right? Don't sit and eat five plates at Golden Corral. That, that's a oh, problem. The Stop. buffets, man. Oh, no, buffets. No, no. Buffets, get you. 
Yeah, buffets are. Anyways, I have a whole thing about buffets, but um, it might be sinful all in all. In all. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, ju- just because you know, it, again, it, you shouldn't do anything in excess, right? You you know, unless God specifically called you to pray and fast for twenty four hours nonstop and don't work and don't eat and don't do anything else, you shouldn't do that either. Too much of anything is even a good thing. Some good things are bad if you can if yeah. you if you indulge too much in it. Like it, guys, if if I'm sitting here and all I want to do is read my Bible, and that's all I want to do, and I tell my wife, "Honey, I'm sorry, I, I I'm not going to spend any time with you. I really feel like God wants me to get closer to Him. I'm just going to read my Bible. That, 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 that now that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read my Bible, all right, yeah. <laughs> right? Or I'm just going to pray or whatever, twenty four seven. That's you know what." Prayer is a great thing. Bible reading is a great thing. But if I am doing it at the expense of neglecting my family, it's wrong. Not Bible reading, not prayer. Those things are not wrong, but it's the imbalance of it, right? So, but again, guys, you can let us know what you think. And, you know, if you want to go deeper, you say, hey, Kev, I I just, you know, Kevin, Kyle, I I just need to, to go a little bit deeper. Text us 248-301-2010, 248-301-2010. Text us and let us yep. know what you think. Give us some thoughts. Or or comment on our social media pages. We've got Facebook and Instagram, Thinking Out Loud Podcast. Instagram is thinking underscore out loud. But you can also comment on there as well. And and like Kevin said, we have our, our Thinking Out Loud website. And make sure if you're, you're like, hey, listen, I really like the fact that these guys, they are convicted enough to cover some of the topics that most people probably wouldn't want to cover. We can't do this type of stuff without support. I mean, it takes money to do things like this. And so if you could help and you decide, hey, listen, I want to give monthly. We have PayPal on our website right on the first page. If you want to subscribe to being a monthly giver or a one-time giver, it would be much appreciated knowing that, listen, we're doing this because we want to teach people why they believe what they believe, biblical literacy and understanding holiness before God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And let I, I me, mean, I want to say one more thing before we're done. There's a mindset that sometimes we don't say it with our outside voice, but it's really this is what's going on in our hearts is how much can I get away with and still go to heaven? That uh, is a dangerous mindset. Uh, Right. It's, you know, how much can I just get to the edge? Like, is it, can I, you know, I, I just want to do as much as possible. Here, here's what you should be wanting to do. You should want to be as close to Jesus as possible, as much like Jesus as possible. So that's, that should be our goal. But within that goal is a lot of freedom to enjoy life. That, yeah. that, that's what we have to understand. These yeah. things that God has placed here for us, they're f- here for us to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy food, right? Not, but not to be a glutton, right? So I think that's what we have to to understand. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening this week. And again, reach out to us, text us, call us, do all, you know, whatever, wherever you see us. I mean, don't call us. Uh, <laughs> wherever you see text that number or you can um, follow us on social media and, and talk to us there and we would love to chat with you guys and so we love you guys have a great week <laughs>